Good morning to everyone. And it is a blessed morning and a happy Sabbath to everyone. Those back there, can you see this pretty good back there? Is it all right? Very good. If you can, will you take your Bibles and let's take it to open our Bibles to the book of Luke, uh, chapter 21. Luke 21, passage of scripture there we like to read for this part of the presentation. And last night we began our series of meeting entitled God's Plan, a Lifestyle for the Next Millennium. And shortly we will be into that millennium. And this lifestyle is not something new as we picked up last night. God foresaw that we needed a plan to preserve us physically, mentally, and spiritually for the consummation of this great controversy. But in Luke chapter 21, verse 26, I'd like to bring your attention to a passage of scripture that some of us might be familiar with. The Bible reads in Luke 21, 26, men's heart failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Fear. If you take that word fear and play with it a little bit, and it means false evidence appear real. That's fear. False evidence appear real. Because Satan is about instilling fear in our heart. And his whole program is to present falsity, lies. And if we base our lives upon lies, it produces fear. Fear breeds upon the unknown. And those of us who are Christians have a certain future, a glorious future. We don't have to go through this world as though that we don't have a certain future. Is that all right? And Satan presents his hellish methods to produce fear. And the Bible said men's heart are what? Failing. Literally failing. To the degree that some are taking their lives. You probably heard on the news in the United States by being a former teacher it seemed to be that one of the most dangerous places to be is a teacher in the public school system. And some of us have heard of the Colorado shootings. And one of the young ladies that was shot, she is recovering, but you might have heard that her mother, several weeks ago, went into a pawn shop, you're familiar with that, and bought a gun and shot herself right there in the pawn shop. I don't know if you heard that on the news. Now, her daughter was shot in this incident, but the daughter was recovering. But the mother could not handle the emotional trauma that went through that. So she took her life. Fear. Realities. And we go on and on and on. And so, last night we talked about the owner's manual. 
I'm seeking I move away from here. I'm going to have to probably move this mic so you all can. Excuse me just a moment. Can you see through that mic a little bit? Well, how do you want to do this? Take it back. Well, I'm trying to help Roger here because I move a lot, and he's trying to take this. And I'm using not a stationary creek. Now you're going to just bag me against the wall here, huh? <laughs> I don't like to stand still. The owner's manual. So we know what the owner's manual is all about. What is the owner's manual? What did we say the owner's manual was last night? Anybody remember? It's the Bible. And what is an owner's manual? What is it? It's instruction. And we find here that the Bible last night, we discovered it's the greatest medical book that had ever been written. We established a principle last night in the book of Psalms, 100, verse 3, that God, he's the one who has what? Made us, and not we ourselves. We do not believe that we come from, like I said, a soup of mud hole. We come from the hands of a divine maker. We established a principle that God knows more about the human body than man. We found out that God has given us instructions. We talked about that in the book of Psalms 119.73. I'm not going to leave these up too long. But we found out that this is what we call God's plan. Some of you all here in the United Kingdom heard of New Start, wellness. But the Lord just told us to conceptualize these eight laws into what we call God's plan. And the reason that we conceptualize these eight laws in God's plan, because we found that in all the other acronyms, which are good, godly trust was at the bottom of the plan. But in God's plan, we put godly trust at the top. That's very important. These eight principles are as divine as the Ten Commandments. We found out that God's plan is designed to preserve us in the best of health, is designed to restore one plan, not two plans, but one plan. And we're going to see more of that this uh, weekend. You will get a copy of this plan. Now, this morning we want to talk about finding what? Men's hearts are failing because of what? Fear. Now, just the opposite of that, if we turn our owner's manual to the book of John, chapter 14, will you do that with me, please? John, I believe. And we begin at verse 1. Very familiar text. Now, we read in Luke 21, 26, that man's hearts are failing because of fear. Now, here Jesus speaks in John 14, 1, let not your heart be what? Ye believe in God, believe so what? Now, men's hearts are failing because of fear. Apparently, they don't believe in God. Is that all right to say that? If we believe in God, then there will be no fear. The Bible goes on and says, In my Father's house are many mansions. 
If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, that ye may be also. And God's promise is sure. It's backed by the blood of Jesus. The reason people have anxiety and fear, because there is no relationship between man and God. And unfortunately among us as Christians, and I want you to understand this because we all have our moments of depression and anxiety. But we do not have to allow those moments of depression and anxiety to suppress us. Because we go into the Bible, we look at one of the greatest prophets that ever lived in the Old Testament, Elijah. You remember his uh, great feet there on Mount Kong. You remember that? And you remember when Jezebel heard about it and Elijah, after that great manifestation of God's power, he ran for his life. And he became depressed to the point that he what? He wanted to what? Die. Die. He went in a state of depression. But God was there. And Elijah turned his heart to that small, still voice. Amen? Amen. And so that doesn't mean that you and I are, um, you might say, immune. Are you following what I'm saying? From that. We're going to have that moment. But if we know the God of Elijah... We do not have to live under that cloud. Does that make sense to you? Job. We see many characters in the Bible that went through moments of depression and anxiety. But by the God's grace, they came out of that depression. And so, finding rest in stress. Let me ask you a question. Let's be interactive for a moment. Do you see in this word stress, the word rest? Do you see it? Is it in order? No. Someone said yes. <laughs> no, it's not in order, but that's all right. But it might be in order. In your, that's good. You have a positive outlook on those things. <clears throat> the reason I asked that question, the word rest is in the word stress, as you already know. And there's a reason that I asked this question. We find that when we look at that word Stress, and we see the word rest, and since it's not in order, that's the way our lives are. Out of order. Confused. Are you with me? We have obstacles. We have many challenges that brings depression and anxiety. But in all of that confusion, God said, I will give you rest. I can bring order out of disorder. I can bring harmony out of division and confusion. Are you following what I'm saying? No matter how messed up our lives are, if we know the one who can bring peace, that would be peace. Case in point, as I was sharing with you last night, my 10-year battle with arthritis that stopped my career as a professional basketball player. My dreams was to be rich and famous. Everybody wanted to be rich and famous, basically. And I was on my way. But it's like a balloon. You put a pin in a balloon, it bursts. All your dreams just dissipate. 
And everything that you built or based your whole life on came from underneath. It's like the foundation being removed from you. Some people get desperate and they give up and blow their brains out. I was not suicidal, so I began to transfer my disappointment and anger in other ways. We transfer our guilt, our letdowns. If you understand what I'm saying, some of us might not understand that, but we do. Either some of us eat, we eat all the time. Some of us will take alcohol or drugs. Some of us begin to become vicious. We have different ways of transferring that instead of literally shooting ourselves, but we are killing ourselves. And so all my dreams disappear. But as I mentioned last night, I thank God for a Christian mother that spent at least a great portion of my life instilling into me that there is a God. But it took disappointments and 10-year battle with arthritis for God to get my attention. But he got my attention. When you're on your back, there's only one way to look is up. And so there is rest. And since we've been involved with this work for 20-something years, we all have stress, but I'm not filled with anxiety, per se, or worrying like I used to, worry about money, who's going to get the money. <laughs> you go into big cities, people got bars on their houses. Even in Chicago, when you go to the cleaners, they have bars on the cleaners. They got bars everywhere. People are scared. The Bible says here in the book of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, a wonderful, wonderful promise and text. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I like that. Not as the world give it, not as basketball give it, not as the opera give it, not as all these things in the world. But Jesus said, I will give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you. And I like this. He says, learn of me. When Christ walked this earth something like 2,000 years ago, was his life filled with stress? Did you hear me? Did you hear my question? Was his life filled with stress? Absolutely. <laughs> you cannot name a person that can be compared to Jesus. His life was filled with stress. I did not say, was he stressed out? I didn't say that. I said, was his life filled with stress? The church didn't want him. His siblings didn't understand him. His mother had a little doubt. His best friends forsaken him. Are you following what I'm saying? The government hated him. Life filled with stress. And if we really believe that Christ took on the nature of Adam after the fall, that he took on the nature like our nature, yet without sin, he had a biological body like us, he had a brain like us, yet he did not have that, the, 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 the mind, because God said we can have that mind in Philippians 2.5. And so he went through every ordeal because the Bible said he was tempted in what? All points. Not some. In principle, all points. And so Christ can say, learn of me. And I will teach you how to have rest in this stressful life world. 
And it says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And I want you to remember this because it's very important. Meek and lowly in heart. This is the biggest problem we have. That's why we have a lot of stress in our lives. Because we might not be meek and lowly in heart. And the Bible goes on and says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I will say this to you and especially to myself. If we are carrying burdens that's weighing us down, then I guarantee you Jesus did not give you that burden. Because the Bible said my burden is what? Light. Now we have, we have burdens for souls. We have burdens for the work. But if that burden is stressing you out, you are carrying that burden. And when you think about a yoke, you talk about teaming up. That makes it easy. That doesn't mean we're not going to be without challenges. Let's move on and talk about godly trust. At the top of the list, not at the bottom, you can eat right, you can exercise, you can drink right, you can sleep right, but if you're stressed out, it's going to neutralize everything you do. The majority of the people, well, not the majority, <laughs> mostly every person that comes to our health center there in the United States, especially those we deal with uh, degenerate diseases such as cancer, I find that the biggest challenge in dealing with people with cancer is not putting them on a therapeutic program as far as hydrotherapy and good diet. The greatest challenge is dealing with their stress. When you have been diagnosed with cancer, the first thing flashed to your mind, fear takes hold. All you see is yourself being a statistic. All you see is the portals of the tomb. And you come, people come with that shadow hanging over them, looking for a little hope. I remember a young lady came to one of the centers I was involved in in another state, had a fast-growing tumor, and the medical doctors said, if you do not get it cut out, you will not live. She refused at that point in time to go through, not cut out, with chemotherapy, I'm sorry, not surgery, it was chemotherapy. And she drove, well, she had someone to drive her probably about 12 hours to our center. She had not eaten in 14 days. She was going quick. So automatically we put her on the best diet therapy we could do. And it dawned on me that she was not responding. And that something else, that was that something else was wrong. And at that point, my whole philosophy, my whole approach changed in this work. And the Lord revealed to me that this woman has a cancer of the heart. That the greatest war that she needs to overcome is that her heart is, is broken and is rebelling. And the reason it was rebelling, first of all, she, she lost a sister through suicide. A brother contracted AIDS, broken marriage, raised in a church, raised in a church, but she became bitter and resentful against God. So she carried that. And we're going to see in a moment how that affects the body. That had a deadening effect upon her body. But as God began to give us wisdom and minister to her, to try to show her how to apply the principles of grace to her life, and the Lord did do a good job of doing that, like he always does. And she grabbed hold of those principles and I tell you, my friends, when she grabbed hold of those principles and began to incorporate those principles in our life, that tumor, 
that was fastly growing began to shrink. This is a, you know, I don't tell lies. This is, I saw the x-rays. It began to shrink. You heard of Dr. Lorraine Day, haven't you? You know, she tell you the same experience. After she had a surgical uh, process on her breast and got on God's plan to eating, etc., it seemed like it didn't get any better. And by being a medical doctor, she was loaded with stress. And when she shut down her practice, then the immune system kicked in and her tumor went away. If we're going to minister to people, we're going to see we must minister to the whole person as we'll see this in a moment. Is that us? In America, maybe in the United Kingdom, have you heard of a song, and I'm quite sure that Tom knows this song too. My wife knows it. He has the whole world in his hand. Anybody know that song? Let's, can you sing a, a stanza of that song? Let me see. Can we sing that song? What it, how it goes. He, the whole world in his hand. He has the whole world in his hand. He has the whole world in his hand. He's at the whole world. Man, man. That's lovely. Now, when you're going, he has the mother and he has the baby, has my job, he has everything. And we sing that song. And I know where I come from. People sing that song with power as though they really believe that. And I tell you, do you believe that? And if we believe that, then this would not be us. Because we are carrying our grandchildren on our shoulders. We're carrying our children on our shoulders. We're carrying our job on our shoulders. I have two children, two grandchildren. Have a ministry with 12 people working with us. I'm quite sure a lot of folks in here, there's a great burden out there. You got financial. You got a lot of stuff. We just carry it on our shoulders until it begins to just press us down. And that song says... God has a whole world. You see, the priest wore a couple of things on his shoulders, the Urim and the Thumb. And, G- and the Bible said, God, Christ, will have the government on his shoulders. My shoulders are not big enough to carry my children. <laughs> I give my children to the Lord. Amen? Amen. I give my wife, you give the husband to the Lord. You got to give him to the Lord. We just worry, worry, worry. Oh, what's going to happen to my child? Give it to the Lord. Isn't that what Job did? Keep that in mind. Let's move on. These, don't try to take time to write these things out. Uh, I don't know if I brought this particular program, but I can get, you know, if you like this information, if I don't have it here, you can get this because it'll be too long for me to leave this up. But, it says, are you stressed? These are just some symptoms, you know, of stress. Squeezy stomach, shallow breathing, excess perspiration. Have you been asked to stand before people when you never stood before people, a crowd of people, and you had to give a presentation? You ever had that? And, you know, you're not used to it. You know, just like now, every time I stand before people, there definitely is something going on here. There's always a nervousness. You can tell that, I, you know, you can tell some people are nervous. Every time I stand before people, there's a nervousness that gets with me, into me. And there's no one that I believe that stand before people and speak that doesn't get nervous. I just have a secret of hiding my nervousness. 
But you know, it says, under inspiration, there's much perspiration. <laughs> and so we find then, these are just some symptoms, and that doesn't mean all these things are indicators, but you know, sporadic eating habits, you know, people stress, we just eat all day long. You ever hear people do that? Hmm? Uh, PMS, you know, definitely can affect the, uh, your hormones. Mental sluggishness, people go into substance abuse, fatigue. Increased hunger, agitation, forgetfulness. If you're so stressed out, you begin to forget. Now, these are just some signs here. Health problems, depression, anxiety, so forth, so on. Have you ever had someone ask you, how are you doing? You say, well, under the circumstances, I'm doing all right. You see, God wants us to become masters of the circumstances. We need not be under the circumstances. I tell people when they give you lemons, which are very sour, then take the lemons and just make good old lemonade. God, take curses and turn into blessings. How many were familiar with a man by the name of uh, Thomas Edison? What you know about him? Uh-huh. He invented the... Now, Thomas Edison was giving a speech one time about he had not invented the electric light at that time. He had made probably 100 <laughs> different, uh, 100 uh, approaches of trying to invent it. And as he was giving his, his speech, it was a gentleman sitting next and said, Mr. Edison, uh, you have made 101 mistakes trying to come up with this old invention of this called the light bulb. And Mr. Edison very politely said to sir, I beg to differ. There's 101 things I know now that does not work. I don't know if you understand that. He did not say mistake. Those 101 things became educational tools. He turned a negative into a what? Positive. And that's what God wants us to do as Christians. We find that stress, high danger, danger, high inflation of stress has unhealthy effect on society, which we know. Stress, strokes, hypertension, there's a host of symptomatic problems biologically that can result to stress. And we find that as we go on, we'll see that stress not only contributes to these conditions, but there's other conditions. Emotional stresses and disturbance can cause practically any disease, including arthritis, ulcers, cancer, high and low blood pressure, constipation, asthma, diabetes, angina, glandular disturbance, and strokes. This is proven fact that stress has definitely a deadening effect upon the human body. Jesus defined health as this. Very interesting. In the book of Matthew chapter 9 verse 12, the Bible says here, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are what? Now I want you to understand that word. They that be whole. There is also a counterfeit health program called Holistic, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C. Because the devil always going to counterfeit the real. Now, I want you to remember whole, because even the word salvation means to heal. You can see in Psalms chapter 67, verse 1 and 2, make known to all nations thy saving health. And when we look at that word saving, it comes from the word salvation. Are you following me? To heal. I believe that's Psalm 67, verse 1 and 2. The whole world need to hear of the saving health of God. 
If you have it, is that what it says? Thy saving help. Is that what it says, brother? Thy saving help. Not only in America, but the United Kingdom and all over the world, God wants this message. Then in John 5, 6, wilt thou be made whole? Keep that in mind. Now let Jesus define this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? And with all thy... And with all thy... Now let's see what does that mean. Heart is what? Look at the board. What does it say? Soul is what? Might is what? Alright, so therefore with all our mind, all of our spirit, dealing with the moral makeup, and with all of our physical. So Jesus said health involves what? Mental, spiritual, and physical. Is that alright? So when we talk about health, people will come to our clinic, yes, the, the, the sickness afford us an opportunity to minister grace to them, but as a medical missionary, I cannot just narrow my methods down to the physical. I must minister to the whole person. This is why a preacher is twice affected if he's a medical missionary. The medical missionary work and the literature work are the last two works. Therefore, if we're going to do medical missionary work, we must be able to minister to the person mentally, spiritually, and physically. Are you with me? Let's get, are you with me out there? Amen. As I was telling my friends in Germany, they, they don't say amen. They just look at you. But if you agree, I think it's good to say amen sometimes. And if you don't say amen, that means you don't agree. That's all right, too. Let's get an example. Let's take our Bibles into the uh, New Testament. And let's turn... I believe to the book of Matthews. Matthew chapter 9. And what we want to do is get an example of how Jesus carry out healing. Now what is health? What is health? What is health? It's wholeness to deal with the mental, the spiritual, and the what? Now, let us get an example of this in the book of Matthew, chapter 9. And we're just going to look at three verses, verse 1 and 2 and verse 6. This is an experience of a man that had the palsy, paralysis, you might say. Okay? You see verse 1. Now, in verse 2, we pick up the situation. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy. And therefore, look what it says, lying on a bed, and Jesus seeing their faith, that's very interesting too, their faith, because that's very important. That's a whole other subject in itself. But let's look at what's going to take place here. Seeing their faith said unto the sick of the palsy, what did Jesus say first? Talk to me. Son, be a what? What dimension of man is he addressing here? The mental. Someone said the mental. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. The mental. Here was a man, probably many years with this condition. Discouragement taken over. Depression settle in. No hope. And Jesus' first step 
was to speak hope to him. Be of good courage. There's hope. We need to do that in this world. People are sick. They are physically sick, yes. But they need to be encouraged. They need to know that there's hope. Are you following what I'm saying? If you have not experienced that hope, if you have not experienced that peace, it would be very hard for you to share that with somebody else. So Jesus says, son, be of good courage. There's hope. Then what did he say next? Sin, thy sins be forgiven. This should be obvious. What's the dimension of man he's speaking to now? Spiritual. Spiritual. You know, in Palestine, during the days of Christ, people like this that were sick felt that they were under the curse of God, that the finger finger of God was on them. So now he was under guilt and condemnation. How many of us are under guilt and condemnation? How many of us bring our baggage into our Christian lives? Some of us have been abused, sexual abused, physical abused. We have things that's in our closet that's still hunting us. Are you following what I'm saying? We feel that our sins are so great that God will, will not forgive us. We feel like we've messed up too many times and God is just tired of us. You know what I'm saying? That man needed to know that Christ is the sin bearer. And that God does not stop loving the sinner. Are you following what I'm saying? And so that person needs to know that he or she can be forgiven. Because God says that that healing takes place after your iniquity has been taken away. Verse 6. What does it say in verse 6? Then Jesus said to the sick of the palsy, arise and what? And we just can come to the conclusion that was what? You see, physical healing follows mental, spiritual healing. Are you following what I'm saying? This is medical commissioning where we must approach the whole person. What is it if a man is healed of cancer of the body, but he still has cancer of the soul? What has he gained? Nothing. So we cannot separate the mental, the physical, and the spiritual. They are intimate related. Are you following what I'm saying? You cannot have physical health without mental health, nor spiritual. That's very important to understand that. There's a precious book. I'm sorry I didn't bring it with me. Called Ministry of Healing. Thank you very much. people that's in the Bible, what keeps the ammunition with them. And uh, I'm quite sure you carry these copies, don't you? Everybody got one of these books called Ministry of Healing? Who doesn't have one of these books? Can I see your hand? Don't, don't, who don't. Do we have any, you know, who, who, who are the book folks around here? Uh, Jonathan, you carry these books? You carry, carry these books? Uh, see these, you need this book. We have several people in here, we need this book. Before I became part of this church, and I don't know who's part of this church, but before I became an Adventist, this is one of the first books outside of the Bible that I read. It changed my whole life. This contained the wisdom of God. There's a chapter in this book, and since this is the paper version, I don't know if the same pagination of the hardback. Oh, yes, they have the pagination here. Uh, There's a chapter in here called, and you can read it on your own. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, just a few excerpts. 
There's a chapter in here called Mind Cure. Mind Cure on page 186. Mind Cure. Be a very good chapter to read. Now in this book, in this book, just the first two paragraphs, there's some excerpts here. In my hardback, well, it's on page 241. It says, the relation that exists between the mind and the body is very intimate. When one is affected, the other, what? What does that mean? Mm. Have you ever, you know, got up at night and there's no night light on and you go to the bathroom and you hit your big toe? You ever had that experience, just hit your toe on the bed? You ever had that experience? Oh, I had that experience. And there's an automatic reaction. I believe the brain kicks into the nervous system and says, mouth set, ouch. Hand grab toe. <laughs> does that happen? I know it does to me. Ouch. Mm. You see, there's an intimate relationship. They sympathize with one another. Are you following what I'm saying? That's what this means. And so it goes on further. It says, the condition of the mind, reading from this chapter, the condition of the mind affects the health to a far greater degree than many realize many of the diseases from which men suffer are the results of mental depression. And as we go through this world, and as I was looking at the statistics in the United Kingdom, that is something that is also prevalent here in the United Kingdom. Mental depression like every place else. So we're not exempt from mental depression and different neurological conditions. And so we find them. It says here, I just took the liberty to define these terminologies. You will not find the definition of these terminology in the book, but it says here in the book, grief, anxiety, discontent, remorse, distrust, all tend to break down the life forces and invite decay and death. Last night we established life force, vital force. We established vital force is electrical energy. I shared last night that Adam was created with the 20 times of vital force than we have today. And when we chronically experience these situations, it exhausts our vital force until disease sets in. Grief. Emotional suffering caused by disaster, an unfortunate outcome, or sorrow. Now, we all experience these. We all experience this. This is, not a, this is not a put down. We all have that experience. But it's how we deal with these things is the issue. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, you lose a loved one, you're going to be affected by it. But how you deal with it? Anxiety, apprehensive, uneasiness of mind, worrying. Oh, I got a heavy debt hanging over me. What am I going to do with this? We all confronted with these issues. Discontent. That's what caused the old devil to be kicked out. It says here, a sense of grievance, dissatisfaction, a complaining spirit. <laughs> it's too hot, it's too cold. And like Laura's asking me, I'm pretty tall. Well, not real tall, it's relative. I'm <laughs> But she asked me, you know, how are you fitting in the bed? You know, I've, been, I've traveled around the world, and 
there's no beds that I find to fit me. So I had to be content <laughs> where I'm at. So it's no problem. It's a bed. I got a place to lay my head. It's comfortable. It's soft. I could be on the floor. You follow what I'm saying? I could be anywhere. And so I have to be, Pastor, be content where you are, what state you have. Remorse, distress arising from a sense of guilt and self-reproach. Feeling sorry about yourself. Hmm? Distrust, to have no confidence and suspicion. A lot of people can't trust anybody, nobody. I believe, Brother Anderson, is Anderson right? That's your lovely wife? You trust her? I trust my wife. You got to have somebody, you know, and then that could be relationship. I know you trust your husband, vice versa. So people say, well, you can't trust anybody in this world. I believe you can develop trust. Because like in marriages, if my wife did not trust me, and if I'm out at 12 o'clock, and if she's thinking, well, he's with another woman rather than giving a Bible study, she's, in, you know, that's a problem. Would you say so? But if she trusts me, someone said, well, your husband is out at 12 o'clock. Aren't you worried about him? He says, the only thing I'm concerned is that I'm praying that the devil don't, you know, destroy what he's trying to do. I ain't worried about him out in the streets with nobody. That's trust. You know, we have a ministry. I have 12 people working full time in this ministry. That got to be a level of trust. Are you following what I'm saying? And when someone violates that trust, whew, I know it's hard to rebuild. But we live in a world of distrust. Pass that back to this. Uh, read that part. We need to move on so we can come to a conclusion here. We will not finish this whole thing. But in the same chapter here, it says courage, hope, faith, sympathy, love, promote health, and prolong life. A contented, cheerful spirit is health to the body and strength to the soul. And that text in Proverbs 17, 22, we know it very well. A merry heart, that we're merry rejoicing. We'll see this in a moment. Do it good like what? Medicine. This has been scientifically validated. Even in coronary care units, their doctors have valid, validated those who have a trust in a divine being, who believe in prayer, who have faith, recovers quicker from coronary problems and they are also helped to strengthen themselves against it. We find then, let me just try to give you a little definition of stress and close out with just some pointers here. What is stress? Stress is valuable to human growth and development. Without stress, growth cannot occur in the world. Stress is an essential element of life. Do you believe that? Yes, it is. When that woman, say a woman with, with, with carrying child for nine months, and when it's time to deliver, those, that contraction takes place. Is that stress? Without that stress, there can be no deliverance. Are you following me? Amen? Amen. And when that child comes out, there's joy. <laughs> Should be joy. When we tax our mind with the word of God, we put in stress, we develop intellectual powers. Are you following what I'm saying? The pull of gravity, that's stress. When we are faced with temptations and challenges, and as we, by God's grace, resist that, we develop character traits. Are you following what I'm saying? Stress is something that is essential to life. And so we cannot get rid of stress. There's a certain situation you shouldn't be in now. <laughs> but we find that stress becomes destructive 
when its intensity or duration exceeds a person's capacity to react constructively. Was the life of Christ filled with stress? Yes. Was it intense? It was, had a, it was, it was long, for, you know, from the time he was born to Calvary. Hmm? Duration. But how did he respond to it? Constructed by the power of God. What is stress then? Any power, force, any power, force, or experience that touches our lives physically, mentally, or spiritually against which we must react in order to maintain balance in our lives is stress. We could be going through a divorce. We could have lost our job. Children left the truth, lost a loved one. Are you following what I'm saying? These things touches us in which we must respond to. Are you following me? You have no control of losing a loved one. Are you following what I'm saying? That's stress. But how do you respond to it? What are stressors? Those forces that produce stress, as I mentioned. Divorce, losing a job, church problems, and etc. We have a host of those things. May originate either ex- ex- externally in the environment around us. It's just like, you know, we travel over here, which is a six hours difference. We could have, you know, that could be external forces there. Jet lag, as they call it. Some of us been further than this. You know, I've been to... You know, Singapore, Malaysia, Papua New Guinea, we're talking about 12, 14 hours. Where today is, is Sabbath here, maybe in, in Australia, it's Sunday. So when you leave United States going to Australia, it's a whole day ahead. And now you're 14 hours, and where you should be sleeping, now you're eating. That, that's, that puts stress on the body. But the body can adapt. <clears throat> we find then, if we had an experience... This little guy here come. We'll go back. Let's see, can we go back? Now, none of us will be confronted with this situation, basically, unless we're probably in the jungle somewhere. But this is just an illustration. If you were confronted with a tiger like that, you know, that would put some stress on you. Would you say so? Would you say so? You know, I, I was conducting a training school in uh, Montana, and uh, lovely place out there in Montana. You know, they have big moose and, and bears out there in Montana. I guess you, if anybody go to, Mont- go to the United States, go to Montana. Very pretty country. And when we got there, it was a lovely setting, and as I went up on the uh, front porch just to look over the setting, in the front yard there was a bear. And I asked the person, I said, you know, I like to walk early in the morning. I said, uh, these pretty common around here? They said, yes, they might meet you on the pathway. And I said, what do you do? And the guy said, just pretend that you're not afraid. I said, how do you do that? <laughs> so I postponed my morning walkings. <laughs> I, I just, I, I figured I had to do something else, okay? Let's move on here. And so we find then there's a chain reaction that takes place when we are confronted with stressful situation. This is what happened. Now, the body is equipped to deal with stress. Short duration. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, this is what happens when you and I are faced with stressful situation. Increased heart rate. Increased breathing. Blood vessels constrict. Blood fats increase. 
immune system weakened, digestion stopped, more nutrients used up, less waste removed. Now, when we are faced, when we are under stress, we find the heart rate begin to, to increase to get the blood circulating. We find the breathing. <sighs> Why? We need more oxygen because oxygen is necessary to, get, to burn energy, to, to produce energy. Blood vessels constrict. The blood concentrate in one area that you can have strength. Have you heard of the experience of this woman whose son was trapped under the rear wheel of a Volkswagen? She went out and lift the car up on the rear end to get the child from underneath. Under normal circumstances, she could not have, do that, could have not done that because the adrenaline was, was pumping. Are you following what I'm saying? You're able to fight or flight. If I face the bear, I'm not going to fight. There will be flight. One way to defend, either run or get something. Are you following what I'm saying? The heart, blood, fats, increase. Fats are being deposited because fat also provides fuel. That's right. The immune system weakens because now a lot of toxins are building up. Digestion stops. There's no way you're going to digest any food. Nutrients are used up, the calcium and the potassium, because all these electrolytes are, are going into play to prepare the body for the crisis and waste Less waste is removed as accumulation of toxins. That's all right if it's just a short period of time. But if it's for days and weeks and months and years, we can see what will happen. Stress shuts down the digestive system. You can be on the best diet in the world. And if you are not managing stress, that food will rot in your stomach. And so that's why you cannot just focus in on diet alone. You got to look at the total picture. Are you following what I'm saying? There's been studies done. Dr. Cannon of Harvard University did a research on a cat. What he did, he gave the cat what we call a bismuth meal, a little dye into the stomach. He inserted an x-ray machine. And as the cat was eating and purring, he followed the flow of digestion. It went along smoothly. Then Dr. Cannon went over and pinched the cat's tail. And the cat became very angry in feline fashion. And immediately, digestion stopped. And when he calmed the cat down and the cat resumed purring, digestion flowed. And that's what it says. Studies prove that when you pinch the tails of animal, digestion stops. Do you fight like cats and dogs at your table? There's a stand, saying at our ministry. When I'm sitting down for lunch and staff is coming and, and they want to talk to me and they might be bearing some bad news. And they say, well, Brother Jackson, I need to talk to you. And I said, well, is it going to pinch my tail? <laughs> they automatically know what I'm talking about. If it's going to pinch my tail, I don't have to say anything further because they understand the language. At our table, we want to be, have a very peaceful. There's two places I don't want to talk about bad news. At the table and before I go to bed. All right. So stress lowers potassium and calcium. Stress affects the adrenal glands, 
Most people that even have arthritis have stressed out adrenal glands. People who have asthma and allergies have stressed out adrenal glands. We find it creates emotional response in the brain, disturbing chemical balance, neurotransmitters. And one of the neurotransmitters, and let me just try to summarize, one of the neurotransmitters as we familiar, as, that we are familiar with is called endorphin, endorphins. Neurotransmitters are chemical substance that's produced in the brain. Endorphins are only produced by two things, our emotions and exercise. You cannot eat to get endorphins. You cannot drink water to get endorphins. A merry heart do it good like medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bone. The more, for example, you and I, we found out we are made up of over 100 trillion cells. Every cell in our bodies have what we call cell receptor sites. Those receptor sites are the avenues in which nutrients gets into the cells. But every time we praise God, every time we count our blessings, we produce these keys called endorphins and they lock in into the cell receptor sites, providing defense, protecting our cells from attack of viral invasion. The more we praise God, the more we rejoice, we boost up our immune system. That is a reality. Therefore, Finding rest in stress. The Bible says, come unto me, all you that are labor and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. He said, learn of me. And let me leave you with this. This is a very interesting person here that I'm getting ready to put on the board. We just saw a little bit, very quickly, what stress is. Very little bit, the impact. But this is the problem right here. self Trust restricts every spiritual success. That's the problem. And since we don't have time to continue this, you might have to just get my presentation on the whole thing. How we go into showing how self is the center of our stressful lives. We have to become Focus, principal focus. I would like to leave you with this thought that when you find yourself in a stressful situation, if you do not know the Lord, get to know God. God is the key in dealing with stress. Because when we be understand principle for case in point, if we are principle focused rather than self focused, what I mean by principle focus? Let me give you this example. We're running a business. I have a close a close friend come to me, been known for years, and he said, Jackson. He said, I can start a business if I can get X amount of dollars, and the bank is willing to loan me this money. Now, I gave my business to the Lord. So when you give your business to the Lord, when you give your family to the Lord, you operate on principle. So he said, if you will co-sign for me, then the bank will loan this money. Close friend of mine. Close friend. Say he's a close friend of yours. You've been knowing for years. You trust him like a brother. 
But there's a principle in the Bible. Instead of me saying out of my emotion, yes, I would do it, I must focus on a principle in the word of God. And I read in the word of God, it says, do not be a surety for another. A surety. The Bible tells us that. You can read that in the book of Proverbs. Please. A surety. A surety is that you put yourself in place of another because if you sign for someone else, he doesn't pay, then you got to pay it. Who is your surety? The principle is, I told the brother, I said, I cannot do that. But if I have the money myself, are you following what I'm saying? I will loan it, and as a brother, without interest. But the principle is, I cannot do that, because the Bible tells me that. Now, that probably would create warfare between you and your close friend. He will say, I've been knowing you all my life, and you tell me you can't trust me, you know, stress. But if you operate on the principle, as much as you want to do it, you got to do what God said. Now, God then take care of the situation. Are you following what I'm saying? That removes stress out of my life. That's what I mean by being principle-centered. Find the principle. Someone attack you, the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. Are you following me? Principles. May God help us to learn of Christ who can give us rest to our soul. Let us have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word of life that has been made possible through the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we have a Savior who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We thank you for a Savior who stands now interceding in the holies of holies of the heavenly sanctuary, whereby through his intercession, Lord, the devil does not have full sway on our lives. Teach us, Lord, how to surrender our will to you. Teach us how to trust you implicitly. Teach us, Lord, how to place all of our weight upon you who is able to sustain us. And Lord, if we do not know these things, Lord, we know through the power of the Holy Spirit that you will instruct us. And so I pray for everyone here as we face life conflict. Help us to realize, Lord, we are not alone in this conflict. For there is one who is mighty, who is able to to sustain, sustain us, who's able to deliver us, and who's able to save us to the utmost. And that person is Jesus Christ. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's close our service this morning with uh, praising the Lord. And Let's turn to number 703. Do you all know the story that goes behind Peace Like a River? The, uh, and, and I can't remember the gentleman's name. And you've, Many of you probably heard of the Chicago Fire. The, the H.G. Uh, 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 Spafford. He had lost his son with a health problem. And shortly after that, the Chicago fire came along and wiped out his holdings along the waterfront. And he was really under a lot of stress at the time. And so a friend of his talked him into coming over to England to help out with 
uh, a religious series over here. So he, his wife, and his two children were coming to England, and they were coming over on a ship. Well, the night before they left, a man came to his door, and he said, we're having a meeting tomorrow, and you really must be there. And he said, well, I'm sorry, I can't be there. Because if I, if I go, I'm going to miss my ship, and uh, we're going to England. He says, well, Mr. Spafford, if you don't go, when you come back, you may not have property at all, because it had to do with the zoning and his losses. So he allowed his wife and children to take the ship, and he said, I'll catch up with you right after this is over. I'll take a later ship the ship that his wife and daughters were on sank in the Atlantic Ocean. And he worried and worried and worried for days, and finally he got a telegraph from his wife. She was safe in England, but he had lost his daughters. And so you can imagine how crushed he was. He took his later ship, and he locked himself in his cabin, and he asked the, the captain to notify him when they were at the approximate position where this other ship went down. The captain did that. And Mr. Spafford went out on the bow of the ship and communed with the Lord. And that's when the words to this song came to Mr. Spafford. And so think about the stress that was on him at that time. And how the Lord can help him, how, how he helped him through that, and how he can help us through anything. Amen. Gordon?
Number four, cell elimination. The cell breathe. The cell must have water. The cell must have these nutrients. And through what we call metabolism, breaking down, the cells end up with waste. Are you found waste? And they must get rid of that waste. If that waste is not eliminated from the cell, there's a condition called auto-intoxication. That means self-poison. So that cells become polluted with waste, creates an environment for disease to breathe on. Are you following what I'm saying? So it must be eliminated. And they will die in a matter of hours. Tumors. You find even respiratory problems. And I can go on and on as results of cell waste. Last, freedom from poison. We must protect the integrity of the cells by preventing poisons passing these lips. Poisons such as, some of us already know, tobacco, alcohol. But later on to this meeting, since some of us don't do those things, but there are other things that some of us might do that are just as deadly as alcohol and tobacco that produce poison. Not caffeine. Some of us don't do caffeine. I'm talking about there might be other things that we might not even think. But we'll talk about that in the future meetings. And so, quickly, we find the cells needs oxygen. Oxygen to the body is like prayer to the soul. Amen? Water. Jesus said that He's that water. He said, if any man come and thirst, he will never thirst again. Living water. Nutrients. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If we partake of that bread daily, we have spiritual strength. Are you with me? We find waste elimination. The Bible says, submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. The fact is we want to eliminate sin out of our lives. Because sin pollutes the soul. The Bible said, gird up the loins. He said, take on the shield, the full armor. We want to protect ourselves from the assault of the evil one. Poison darts of the enemy. Five needs of the cells. And the blood supply these needs. All five. For the Bible tells me in Leviticus 17, 11, the life of the flesh is where? In the blood. Spiritually, we know the blood of Jesus was shed for you and I. As it is in the spiritual, the blood does two things. It cleanses us and it builds us. That's what the blood of Jesus does. In order to have good health, we must have good blood. Does that make sense to anybody? Good health. In Ministry of Healing, page 271, in order to have good health, we must have good blood. For the blood is the current of life. It repairs waste and nourishes the body. When supplied with the proper food elements and when cleansed and vitalized by contact with pure air, it carries life and vigor to every part of the system. The more perfect the circulation, the better, the, the better will this work be. God has given us a plan. We call it God's plan. Now you notice up here, is there anything up here that you cannot afford? Any one of these laws you cannot afford? Hmm? 
this medical plan is accessible to everybody. You agree with that? It's a plan that God has given us for the preservation and the restoration of health. And this is what we're going to learn this weekend. For health is what? A treasure. Let's guard it like a precious treasure. And God's plan is a decided change. This will give us a foundation for this week. We'll be studying these various diseases, but this presentation this evening will help us better to understand when we present on nutrition, on how to deal with various diseases based on a biblical perspective, yet even science is validating this. Five needs.